turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, all right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And today I'm joined in the studio by Mr. Zach Miller of Tanny, the Trucking Association of New York. Hello, Zach. How are you, sir? Doing well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. Really, really appreciate it and appreciate uh, the conversation we're going to have here today. For sure, for sure, man. So we, we've we talked before, um, you know, kind of leading up to, to this interview. Uh, we're going to be talking about congestion tax today. Uh, in New York City and how that affects the people of New York City, the people outside trying to get into New York City, um, the businesses in New York City affects a lot of people, right? So if you could just kind of explain to our audience what is con- congestion tax, what's being proposed and what's actually now been passed, what's what's the actual law? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, and I actually want to start with that part of it. So before the pandemic, um, New York State uh, legislature passed a law which was going to authorize um, the creation of this congestion toll, congestion tax. Um, it's called congestion pricing or um, it's like central business tolling scheme, um, whatever it is, it's in New York law. And the law states that this program must generate $1 billion in revenue um, for the MTA to bond $15 billion for their capital plan. Um, now, there are other congestion pricing plans around the world. This is going to be the first one here in the States, but there is no plan that has a, a revenue mandate. Um, most plans around the world really are a traffic flow, traffic management type of plan. Um, London also did some extra things with their uh, zero and near zero emission vehicles. So, so there's a little bit more holistic thinking in some of these um, international plans. The New York plan is really about generating that revenue to the MTA. The MTA finances are a complete disaster. Um, And so there is some thought that, well, if we give them this infusion of cash, uh, things will be better. Unfortunately, that will come at a significant cost to working class New Yorkers, um, particularly small business owners, um, small business employees, and really that end user, because this is going to increase costs significantly. What happened was, rather than having um, the legislature set a toll rate, they created what was called a traffic mobility review board. This was a six-person panel that met uh, a couple of times throughout the fall, I think late summer and fall, um, to determine what they think the best toll rate would be. Um, Now, making matters complicated, as I mentioned, was that fact that they had to hit a billion dollars in revenue. Also in that law that um, the state of New York passed, passenger vehicles were only allowed to be charged once a day. So those were the parameters that the Traffic Mobility Review Board had to go with. Um, And unfortunately, their recommendations Um, really do hit the the trucking industry. So they recommended that passenger vehicles pay $15, um, you know, per day, but commercial vehicles are going to pay more. So what they call small trucks, which are, you know, your box trucks, um, your Sprinter van types are going to pay $24 and your larger trucks, um, you know, your your tractor trailers and and bigger vehicles are going to pay $36. Now, 
when when the traffic mobility review board released their report with their recommendations they were a little unclear about how many times the trucks will be charged um, unfortunately they did confirm that trucks will be charged every trip they take into the zone um, in addition there are some there, there's there's a discounted rate for what they call overnight hours so those will be uh, on weekdays, that'll be from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And then weekends, it'll be 9 to 9. Um, you know, we, we could talk a little bit about off-hour deliveries later if you'd like. But but the challenge there is um, not only do you need the receiver to be able to take it, um, to want to take it, but also those overnight hours don't exactly match up, you know, the, the typical driver's hours of service and, and the general operation uh, of fleets. So that's a challenge. Another sort of, you know, give back was uh, there's going to be toll credits at certain crossings. Um, I think there are four crossings that are going to have credits. So the small trucks are going to get a $12 credit. The large trucks are going to get a $20 credit. Unfortunately, though, the George Washington Bridge is not included in those uh, toll credits. And, and you know, you, your listeners, everybody who, who understands the trucking industry knows that the George Washington Bridge is the commercial vehicle crossing. Basically. Right. So, you know, it, it really is they 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 did everything they could to keep that passenger rate low. And all of it goes on the backs of commercial vehicles and, of course, the businesses that they serve, because these are not insignificant costs. These are costs that are going to have to be passed on to the the receivers. And then, of course, that that end user, that customer. Got it. Is there any idea of like how much additional uh how much a diff how much additional cost this would kind of add to a typical trucking outfit could you kind of like get into that that's such a great question and that is really that is the work we are doing right now to get to the bottom of that so the so everything i just said was recommended to the mta board the mta board voted to approve it so that kicks off what we're in now which is a public comment period uh there will be public hearings, um, hybrid hearings, so in-person and, and virtual. Uh, we're hearing that's going to be like in February, um, and the MTA's goal is to get congestion pricing in place in May. So there's you know, still time to, to, to tweak this, and it's really important that people make their voices heard. And that right there is the crux of it, is what really what are the numbers we're really talking about? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, it's going to increase cost, but is it going to increase cost $5 or $50? Right. Right. You know, we don't know the the best handle we have right now. You know, our preliminary work is hospitality. And we know hospitality is so big in New York City. It's such a key industry in the city, particularly in that zone itself. Um, the typical markup is about 15 percent. Mm. So, you know, you, you figure um, the the shipper charges the receiver about, you know, 15% of, you know, whatever they were, they, they paid uh, their wholesale price. So, you know, under that you figure, okay, if it, it, under the 15% rule, if, you know, it costs, if the delivery costs are going to increase X amount based on how many times they go in, you know, yada, yada, you could start to, to, to get your wrap your head around it, but we hope to have real concrete numbers um, over the next couple of weeks here. 
Got it. And is there any any idea or do you have any insight as to how we got here with the Metropo Metropolitan Transportation Association needing that one billion? And can you explain what that bond is that they're looking to pay the 50 million dollar bond? Can you get into yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, that's that is such a great question. So um, unfortunately, this is an organization that has struggled with their finances for quite some time. So, so the MTA, they run the New York city subway system and they run the commuter rails and they run the, um, the buses. Um, and unfortunately in New York city, the cost of construction is rather significant. So projects tend to cost more than their estimates. They tend to take longer to complete than their estimates. Um, there, if you, if you really, you know, look at the numbers, there certainly have been some, um, funny bookkeeping on some projects, uh, with the MTA, uh, the MTA also has not really invested in maintenance and sort of new technology the way they should have. So the system, it's an extremely old system that is still running extremely old equipment and technology, which is caused, which causes major, major delays. Um, what really kickstarted congestion pricing back in uh, whenever it was 2017, 2018 was there was a, we called it the summer of hell um, because <laughs> the transit system really just fell apart um, because it was just, you know, they, they, they were operating on borrowed time for so, so long. And, um, and, and here we are. Um, but they, they, they do have a debt, problem they, they 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 borrow a lot um to to sort of patch up their their financial holes I, I think the last i checked their debt is in the 25 to 32 billion dollar range so it's pretty yeah. significant and now we're we're talking about putting another 15 billion on there um it's a real big problem and and and, and some of it is um their hands were tied from the state you know it's not all on them um, but at the same time, we also have major issues with fare evasion. Uh, the latest reports indicated that fare evasion cost about $700 million. So, you know, wow. if they're trying to raise a billion dollars, um, a, a little better uh, in-house policies, you know, they, they, they'd get another $700 million. Um, it, it, it's things like that. It is just typically not a particularly well-managed system. And, and, and I, I'm not 100% sure the way it's set up right now makes the most sense it, it, it's set up it, so it's an authority um so you know they could bond themselves and all that but they're like a quasi government agency right so the governor of new york controls the mta but not like directly it's and and the governor gets to appoint most of the board but not all the board and so it, it's just they're they're set up they, they were set up in a way that probably worked when they, it was created um, but, but, you know, here in the year 2023, going into 2024, um, given that they are always in such desperate need of cash, I think it's fair to wonder if, if New York really needs to reevaluate how that organization is run and how it operates, particularly if they're going to ask, you, you know, working class New Yorkers and small businesses to just carry a greater and greater load. Um, for their responsibilities. We really should be getting more out of it than we are. Yeah, for sure. And and the 15 billion in bonds, what is that specifically? So that is just like, so that's just going to be more debt for their capital plan. They, they haven't really mentioned a whole lot of projects that they're going to be doing. Um, the one thing they did mention is an expansion, a further expansion of the Second Avenue subway. 
Um, and the Second Avenue subway, I think, is really a good microcosm of some of the issues that the MTA has. So this was a long, long, long project um, to expand uh, subway lines uh, on Second Avenue to relieve some of the burden uh, from the Lexington line. Those unfamiliar, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've all seen movies and TV shows at Grand Central Station. Um, that's you know, the, the four, five, six, that's the Lexington line, right? So that's like the main hub. And then it goes, you know, it continues to go north and south, depending on where you're coming from. But um, that's a very busy line. So the, the thinking was, well, if we, you know, put some um, expand capacity on Second Avenue, we could reduce the burden there. I think the dirty little secret with a lot of MTA is that um, the value, I mean, the, the real value is if there is a, if there is a subway station, um, in wherever a subway station is located, right? It increases the value of the real estate um, because everybody wants to live near a subway station as well. They should, because when the subway works, it's amazing. You, right. you know, for the, I, you know, they increase the cost, but so it's like $2 and 90 cents now, but for $2 and 90 cents, you, you, you know, maneuver around New York city. It, it, it's, it's, it's a fantastic deal when it works. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, that's the challenge. And, and I, so the logic of, well, okay, we could increase capacity, but it's like you're talking about valuable real estate that becomes more and more valuable at the subway station. It's like, well, the real estate industry doesn't put their fair share back in the system. There's no, there's no, there's no value capture that the MTA gets. It's all on the backs of the workers and the smaller businesses. And that really creates a lot of frustration. And then you look at something like the Second Avenue line and you can make a logical point about capacity, but you also say, yeah, but there's a Lexington line right there. When you have people all across the outer boroughs that do not have subway access, they live in subway deserts. And so when the MTA says we're, we're expanding capacity, we're building new lines, but it's still in Manhattan, it doesn't do anything for the people in the outer boroughs who are then asked to pay for congestion pricing either as they drive into Manhattan or their businesses drive into Manhattan or because there are so many businesses that have to drive into Manhattan, their costs are going to go up. So now these outer borough costs are going to go up. There's a trickle down effect while still not a great subway option for so many New Yorkers. And that's really the challenge. And so, you know, they're talking about their massive we're getting our 15 billion dollars and this is great for everybody and our first project is we're just going to continue on the second avenue subway it's just like it really is a slap in the face to so many of the outer borough residents and and, and businesses got it one of the uh a staggering number you just now mentioned is 700 million in fair evasion um why aren't they tackling that problem it you're preaching to the <laughs> choir there you really are you know they they, they say they are i don't I, you know I, i'm uh, generally, I want it, I, I go by the trust but verify philosophy with this right. particular agency. I don't even have the trust. Um, <laughs> so, you know, other agencies I do, not not the MTA. And, and you know, I think that, so they say, hey, we're doing more with cameras and, and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I have, I've seen it. I've, I've seen people just brazenly jump the turnstiles and like in front of MTA workers and, and police officers and, 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 you know, they don't do anything. And, and honestly, it's like, it's like, should they like, like somebody jumps a turnstile, like you really want to make a big deal at like, 
You, you want a police <laughs> right. officer to spend time? Like there are you gotta more. Your, you got to pick who's your battles. Exactly. There are more serious things that happen in the subway system than somebody not paying $2.90. And like, I, sure. I, I would agree. It's like, that's not a great use of, of police resources at the same time. You know, 700 million is, is a pretty significant number here. So for sure. They they have to find a way to tackle it in in, in as fair a way possible. But it is it, it is a problem that um that that even they know that they can't continue to ask people to pay and pay and pay when there's a chunk of money just sitting out there. Yeah, it makes sense. So uh your organization, the Trucking Association of New York, can you tell people about your role and what you guys are doing to try to um, I guess, combat this, what's going on? Because there's still time. There is still time. And I really appreciate that. So uh, my role is I'm the director of Metro Region Operations. So I sort of handle New York City and, and the surrounding suburbs, um, which, of course, you know, congestion pricing is is one of our, our key issues right now. Uh, we convened a working group with multiple stakeholders, and that includes receivers, uh, which has really been exciting. Um, so you asked the question about the actual numbers. What is the actual cost going to be? So really our next step is to collect that information um, and, and to use that to form our, our public comments and our testimony at hearings and, and to have our stakeholders do the same. So, you know, if, if this is something that's going to affect you, please reach out to me. My email is Zach, Z-A-C-H at nytrucks.org. Um, I'd love to hear from you and, and, and work with you as, as we work through this and, and really fight back. Our aim is to pay the same as uh, passenger vehicles. We want that parity with passenger vehicles. We want the one a day charge and you know whatever that toll rate is, they say it's $15. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's the right thing to do. Trucks don't have another option. First of all, um, we, we can't use mass transit. We, we have we have a line called the F line, but there's no freight on that. It's, it's a passenger line, right? So right. deliveries have to happen via truck. Trucks deliver 90% of the freight in New York City. And, and, and that's a lot. That's well above the national average. And we're working with our partners at City DOT and our, our partners at City Hall and, and the Economic Development Corporation to try to reduce that load to, to try to get that tonnage, you know, closer in line to national average. But let's face it, at the end of the day, New York City is going to always be reliant on trucks, you know, in some high level. And so to, to, to turn around and say the trucks are now responsible for this when they can't use public transportation, trucks don't set their delivery schedule, the receivers do. So it's like, you, you know, you want to say deliver more off hours, which is great. We support that, but it has to be something that works for the receiver and the shipper. And we've seen success with the larger fleets, those more vertically integrated supply chains. Um, but, you know, a mom and pop trucking company delivering to a mom and pop retailer off hours, that's just not really going to happen. Not to say in that uh, congestion zone specifically, a lot of those buildings um, are unionized buildings. And so those those contracts are set in stone. There's no flexibility there. So it's right. like, you know, there, there are just so many hurdles to being to that being like the end all and be all be all solution. Um, it really is wrong for for commercial vehicles to be treated differently. When uh, what they say is 
The point of this plan is to change behavior. They want people not to drive their personal cars into Manhattan. They want them to take mass transit. Hmm. But the system they created has the commercial vehicles, which, as we've said, don't have the other options of subsidizing the passenger vehicles with the whole intent of changing passenger vehicle behavior. It's it doesn't seem to make sense when you real when you when you take everything that they say and look at the plan they came up with. It really doesn't make sense. Got it. And their reason for wanting people to use mass transit is just for congestion purposes. Is it, is it emissions also? Like what's yeah, the- so, yes, right. So it is congestion. It is emissions. Um, it is part of the reason why the MTA is in such a, a financial tough spot is since the pandemic, they just ha- they've lost riders and they, they haven't gotten back to their full ridership. So they want to increase uh, riders on the system. Um, and, and it's funny, though, with the emissions, right? Because we, you know, we agree, right? We're, we're all trying to reduce our emissions here. We have our, our goals of, of being carbon neutral economy by 2050. Um, so London, when London put in their congestion pricing, plan, they really had subsidies for zero emission vehicles. Now, I think I, I, I don't think those are as robust now as they were when the program went into place, um, you know, just as the technology has improved. But really, there was no sort of discount for zero emission vehicles in this plan. There, There's a little bit of money from the state that's going to go to like um, like electric trailers and Hunts Point Market and uh, some funds going to New York City's clean trucks program, um, which is all well and good. I'm, 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 you know, we're happy to see those investments, but that's not really, A, that's not money going back into the industry at the rate that we're being charged, you know, for this congestion fee. And, and also, those aren't the real strong carrots that an exemption or a significant toll discount would have been uh, for zero emission vehicles. So, um, you know, they could talk about reduced emissions all they want. At the end of the day, they had an opportunity to to put their money where their mouth is. uh, And thus far, they haven't. Got it. I read something about Phil Murphy having a lawsuit. Uh, Can you tell me, can you give me more insight into that? Uh, New Jersey governor? Yeah, and, and it really does speak to the uh, environmental part of it. And, and I apologize because sometimes I do get the phrasing wrong. So uh, what ha- So because they're, you know, these are federal roads, in order for congestion pricing to go into effect, the federal government had to approve it. Um, one of the reasons why it's been delayed for so long, well, one delay was, you know, pandemic related, but another one was just the Trump administration wasn't, good, wasn't moving on this. Um, so presidential election, changed administrations, uh, the Biden administration started moving on it. But um, they didn't do the full environmental impact study. They did the smaller environmental assessments. I'm pretty sure I got those phrases right. But the, <laughs> the, the point is, they had there were two options, right? The more comprehensive one and the short, the sort of smaller, not as comprehensive one. They went with that one. And so New Jersey's lawsuit is basically saying you did not run your proper environmental analysis with this. So you're claiming things related to, you know, traffic and emissions 
All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show that you are that you can't really say with certainty right. and 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 i think you know look i don't know what's going to happen we're starting to hear rumors that there's going to be a settlement between jersey and, and new york and and at the end of the day it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case but they in in terms of the the validity of their lawsuit i really think they raise a great point and that was a, a huge frustration to us that they didn't do the full um the full impact study, because we, we hear rightfully, mind you, we hear it's just like, we really have so many emissions going into these outer boroughs communities, particularly environmental justice communities. We need to reduce that burden. We're all on the same page in that. But th like, like we've been talking about, this isn't really a traffic management plan. So it, we expect to see an increase in trucks going through, you know, um, Cross Bronx Expressway, um, the BQE, other parts of, of Queens and Brooklyn, where they don't need to be there, but they're trying to, and justifiably, they're trying to avoid a toll what they can't afford. <laughs> right. So it's like, so it's like you, you're, you're saying how much you want a more holistic traffic flow, right? You're saying how much you want to reduce some of these environmental impacts. You want to route trucks better. I mean, that, and, 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 and I got to give New York City credit. They just passed a truck route modernization bill. It's fantastic to finally see that. I mean, it's been decades. What is that called? Um, it's, I think it's called the truck route modernization, modernization bill. And yeah, what is I, I don't remember what the intro was, but basically it's going to force DOT to look at the truck route network. Okay. And make sure the truck route network matches where the trucks are actually going and where they need to go. Um, we're really excited about it. Um, and, 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 and from what I'm hearing, DOT is really happy to do this too. This was an internal goal at DOT for some time. And, and now that it's law, they get to put it to the top of the pile, which is fantastic. But, but, you know, you can talk all you want, right, about the proper truck routes and, and, and how you want the traffic to flow. When you do things like put a massive toll in like through lower Manhattan to, to mid and lower Manhattan, you know, that changes the equation for so many carriers. Right. Um, you know, when you do some when you when you do some of these uh, street redesigns as well intended as, as they they may be, um, if you make streets so complicated for trucks to maneuver, they're going to maneuver through streets that are easier for them, even though that's really not where they should be going. Um, and, and so it's a, a huge frustration where you have all these, you know, plans and ideas and all that. And it's like freight comes last and mm. freight is, it's too important to come last. We learned, you know, if we learned anything from the pandemic, it's, it's the vulnerabilities of our supply chain. And, you know, it's not to say it has to be number one necessarily. Of course, that's what I would advocate for, but, <laughs> but at the very least you have to factor it in, in every single decision. And, and going back to your question, um, you know, it, I, I think Jersey is onto something in that that wasn't done properly um, by, by the feds and their environmental review.
Yeah, for sure. It makes a lot of sense. You just kind of talked about it, but that was going to actually be my next question. You, obviously, you know, when things like that come into place, like people are going to find ways to find loopholes around it and, and and avoid it. So what are the ways what are the ways that people are taking now to to avoid these taxes? So they, they haven't gone into effect yet. Right. You said so, May, but yeah, so it'll be May. Will do. But my so there I have a couple of thoughts on that. One is the, the traffic diversions. Um, I also think you could see some scenarios where fleets consolidate and they actually use bigger vehicles mm. because you could make a case in saying, well, if I have to send three trucks into the zone at $24 a pop plus labor, maybe it makes more sense to just bite the bullet $36 one time, you know, less labor, but um, you know, this is, this is how I, 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 I reduce my cost. I also think you could see things like, and, and some of this is not necessarily a bad idea, right? Cause we've been talking about in New York city, something called micro hubs, which is basically where a truck will come and offload either, uh, in a safe location or like curbside and then a smaller vehicle, like, um, like a, a tiny van or uh, cargo bikes, or even, you know, depending on the distance, hand carts come and take that to the last mile. So we could see a scenario where companies basically just set up legal or illegal micro hubs where they'll, they'll go right to the border, they'll drop their trailers, they'll offload, and they'll find a cargo bike or a, or, or, or a, a van that would be charged $15 instead of the 36 um, hmm. to go into the zone. So so, so I think th those are possibilities. Now, companies really need to look at, you know, the labor costs, what, what would it cost to partner with a cargo bike, things like that, um, as they calculate what makes the most sense for them. But I'm, I'm, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if we started seeing that. And that, you know, from, from a sort of freight distribution standpoint, I'm very intrigued by the idea of micro hubs. Like, you know, we, 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 we see the benefit or potential benefit for so many carriers. But then, you know, with trucking, we have such a nimbyism problem. And, and this is, it has to do with truck parking. It, it, it's hard to get um, truck parking facilities. Uh, I, I have to give so much credit, again, to this current city council and some civic groups in the outer boroughs, particularly Queens, for basically saying, listen, we know trucks need a safe place to park. We support them having a safe place to park. It just can't be in our communities. So right. we got a, a, an overnight truck parking bill passed. But let's face it, you, communities near the zone in Manhattan are already concerned about people driving into their neighborhoods, parking their cars there, and then you know going into the zone uh, tax-free. They certainly wouldn't want trucks going and parking there and setting up micro hubs and, and, and things like that. Right. Um, so there's this sort of climate um, with near some of the neighborhoods in Manhattan that I that I also think is sort of a, a wild card factor in all of this and how they react to potentially increased traffic, um, both commercial and and um, passenger. And I think that could dictate, you know, as they make some of these changes to the tolling that could dictate some of them.
Got it. It's pretty interesting because it, it almost like kind of like forces efficiency out of the trucking companies, right? You, you start getting a little bit innovative and creating other ways that you could have been doing prior to attacks like this, right? Um, yeah, I mean, and I think it's like, I think that the challenge is because nothing happens in a vacuum, right? Right. So you could look at something like, like a new tax and say, all right, well, this is going to force you to, to really take a look at your books and your operations and all that. And, and, and there are some who can say, maybe there are some benefits. Like maybe we can't, maybe we haven't been routing our, our trucks in the most efficient manner. Let's try to do that. The problem is nothing happens in the vacuum, right? So it's not just the congestion pricing. It's also, they have, you know, you have to pay a motor vehicle tax. There's less that, you know, the streets are, the lanes of traffic have been taken away. Parking has been taken away. There's, and you know, we don't have time to belabor it today, but there's a, uh, what's called the, the New York City uh, air complaint program, which is basically uh, a bounty program on commercial vehicles where citizens can write tickets to trucks uh, that are idling and the, oh yeah. And the citizen gets 25% of the ticket. What? So these are all, yeah, no, it's crazy. And these are, these are all things that trucking companies have to deal with in New York City. And it's just like, when does it, you know, like they look at it and it's like, these, these are, again, these are mostly small businesses. Yes, we have some large carriers that, that you see operate in New York City, but that's not the majority of the freight. And it's like companies that operate on one and a half, 2% profit margins, and they are just hit with every single direction. It's, it's just like, it, it's not sustainable. It's not holistic. And any sort of thing that could have a silver lining such as looking at, at a more efficient way to route your vehicles is washed away by all these other things that these companies have to deal with as they operate in the region. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and we said this is done in London as well, right? Are there any use cases that we can say like where it's done right and what New York City should kind of try to mirror? So the London case is really interesting because I think london did a lot right as they did this first of all london made investments in expanding their transportation network before they put in congestion pricing so when i said earlier trust but verify london made that deal with its citizens and they said listen we are going to make these investments for you and then on the back end you're going to pay us back with the congestion pricing um they mm. london charge is um passenger vehicles and commercial vehicles, the same rate, um, same time of day. London uh, had discounts for their uh, zero emission vehicles. And the, the, the best part was London was, we really want this to be a traffic management and transportation plan. There was no revenue target for London. London was mm. whatever money they make is, it's gravy. It's nice to have, but it's not about money. Um, the, the, the latest numbers I heard is London makes comparably, it would be about like $250 million um, is what London's congestion pricing plan brings in a year. And so we're saying, we're not going to make the investments in transit beforehand. Uh, we're not giving anything for uh, zero emission vehicles. We're not going to treat uh, passenger and commercial vehicles the same way. Oh, and oh, by the way, we damn well better raise a billion dollars. <laughs> right. Which is like an arbitrary number, by the way. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like, where, like, <laughs> like, how did you, how do you, and, and, and the thing that really frustrates me 
is, is so many of, of the people who advocate for congestion pricing point to London as the example. And I'm like, so then why didn't you just copy and paste the London? Like, right. <laughs> like we're like, okay. I think that's, reinvent like, the wheel, right? Well, that's the thing. And it's not, it, it's not unreasonable to say, Hey, this is the situation we're in. Everybody has to like put a little bit in the hat and here's, and including, you know, us, the agency, we have to take some responsibility too. like, like it's not unreasonable, but unfortunately, because congestion pricing in New York has been talked about for quite some time now. Unfortunately, every sort of iteration of the plan has gotten worse and worse and worse. And then what we are actually faced with is the worst out of all of them. Mm. And that's a massive problem as well. Right. Got it. And you guys, a solution is to kind of bring it all under that one price point. Yeah, I, I, I that, that's really what we're asking for. I mean, again, I think, look, you could make an economic case and we have that trucks should just flat out be exempt from this program. Mm. But given a just the climate of New York uh, and then also B, the fact that the law says you got to make a billion bucks, it's like, all right, that's not really a feasible ask, though it's justifiable. Um, but what's fair, what's equitable is the, the parity with passenger vehicles. And, and you know, they it's funny, over the summer, the numbers that they gave, they said they're about, so they said pre-pandemic, there were like 700,000 vehicles in the zone daily. Um, it was down a little bit with the pandemic. Uh, I forget the percentage. They said, I think like 10% or something. So like the numbers we came up with were, I think there was like $630,000, 630 vehicles, a uh, thousand vehicles in the zone daily. Um, and then when they released their report, they said, oh no, the number is actually 900,000 vehicles in the zone daily. So we're like, well, if you charge us all 15 bucks, you blow well past that bill, you know, you, so you get there, right. you get that number and, and you give yourself wiggle room for the, the thing we didn't even talk about today is, well, what if it actually does reduce congestion? I mean, we're a little skeptical that it will considering so many of the, like 53% of the vehicles in the zone are taxi and for hire vehicles. They're not going anywhere. Right. Commercial vehicles only make up 9% of the traffic, but they're not going anywhere. So you're, you're already looking at what 64% of vehicles that they're not going to see much change. I think passenger vehicles were something like 35% in the zone, if I remember right. Um, and so you could say, you know, maybe around the margins, you can get a little bit of reduction there, but if you do, then the toll for everybody else has to go up. So it's not only about sort of setting a fair rate, but a rate that if the program succeeds and actually reduces some traffic, um, you're not overburdening burdening those that have to be in the zone. Got it. How do we keep up with the updates? Because as you said, this has been through many iterations. How does the general motoring public keep up with what's going on? Well, I got to tell you, unfortunately, they really don't. Um, unfortunately, sort of people don't realize something is going to occur until it's occurring. Really done. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that is, you know, sort of the, the frustration where, um, you know, you have people that think that congestion pricing already happened. You have people who think that it's going to be the London plan. Like basically we did copy the London plan. 
Right. Um, you have people who think that one of the earlier plans, it was called Move New York, that that's what it's going to be. And, 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 you know, look, I get it. We all have busy lives. Um, you know, it, we, we all have commitments that, you know, paying attention to, to stuff like this is just not going to be front of mind for people. Um, but, but now is the time, you know, this is it, this is, this is crunch time right here. And so it is, um, following, you know, pu commenting publicly as the public comment period is open, um, there will be a virtual option for the hearing. So, you know, to log on and, 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 and testify on that. And, and like I said, to reach out to the Trucking Association of New York, um, you know, happy to have private conversations with anybody, fill you in more on what we're doing and, and what, um, you know, what we recommend based on what, what part of the industry you're in, what, what your business is, um, you know, how we recommend you, you get involved. Yeah. And as we come to the close, just, just take a moment to plug the association and talk about the problems that you guys kind of work, work on, like outside of this, what is the association and why is it, uh, you know, a valuable organization for, you know, trucking companies to be a part of? Uh, I really appreciate that. So um, we had there are a couple of of pillars of what we do at the Trucking Association of New York, right? So, you know, government affairs and advocacy is one of them, and that would fall in, into that pillar. But we do so much safety and education and training, and you know, particularly for those small and mid-sized fleets that um, that may not have the resources to build out as robust a program as they'd like. That's exactly where the association comes in. Um, and we, we also provide networking opportunities uh, for, for people, you know, about two thirds of our uh, membership are fleets. And we have, when we say we have fleets of all sizes, we mean it. We have <laughs> from that guy with one truck, you know, all the way up to, to some national carriers. The core of our membership are those small to mid-sized, still family-owned and operated fleets. And, and so advocating for them in terms of safety and education, in terms of legislation and government affairs, in terms of just, you know, image, you know, just saying, hey, listen, we're not, the, the image that is portrayed in the media of the industry is just out of touch. You know, we, we invest in the safest equipment and technologies available. We have our safety training and our symposiums. Our drivers are actively involved in their communities. You know, they, they take pride in their work and they take pride in servicing their communities. We were recognized as heroes during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's just constantly reminding the public and and electeds of 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 what we do um, is a part of it, but but like I I mentioned, you know, we have had some success. We got a truck route bill. We got a truck parking bill. You know, th these are not easy to move in in New York City. Um, and, and through some some real forward thinking leadership at the city council, and and through just a really actively engaged membership we were able to get this done and, and, and that's what we do day in and day out for, for our members and, and for the industry at large. I love it. Zach, thank you so much for all the insight. We're going to be following this closely, uh, you know, up until May when whatever <laughs> decision happens and we'd love to like to return or kind of revisit things when it's actually final. And, you know, we talk about, you know, where we kind of go from here. So very, I, very interesting to. stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Love to love to come back and give updates. Hopefully give, Positive updates. Positive updates. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Hustle fam, if you smell something burning, it's only a desire. Uh, this has been another amazing episode, man. Thank you guys for joining us. Zach, we're out. 
If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.